with us through the shedding of blood. And we thank you that we can walk with you daily. Uh, we thank you that we can cast our cares upon you at any time. We thank you that we can enter into your presence uh, at any time. Uh, there's no tip, no uh, sacrifice. The sacrifice has already been made. Uh, no matter what's going on in my life or where we're at, we can stop and call on you. And we love you for that. We thank you for that. I pray that we all uh, take advantage of that. opportunity um, just to worship through giving um, and then to continue just to worship through song and worship through the opening of your word, the teaching of your word. I pray that um, we would just be obedient all that. Be obedient to give. Be obedient to lift you up. Be obedient just to want to learn more about you and what you have us to do and who you have us to be and where you have us to go and uh, what's serving you and loving you is all about. Uh, we just love you. Uh, we praise your holy name. Amen.
morning to 1 Corinthians 13. While you're turning,
for about an hour and a half, but it was very sanctified. It was worshipful. And I thank God for men who are looking out for the welfare of the local assembly. Amen. That's right. There's enough bad stuff that's said about the demons. I've heard it my whole life. And some of it was true. But some goes for pastors, too. I thank God for our deacons. Not my deacons. Y'all belong to me. Y'all belong to the Lord. But I thank God for our fellow servants. And I thank God for our Sunday school teachers. This morning had all the stuff prepared for the kids and they came in, decorated. They could have said, you know, those little kids, they're not, they don't care about all that stuff. You can just sugar them up and send them back to mom and dad and they'll be happy. They take it real serious. Because lives matter. And I love all of that preparing that goes and sits in line even when the biscuits ain't ready. Make sure that the teenagers get them something to eat on Sunday morning. I thank God for Eastside. More than that, September, I mean February, I'm thinking about anniversary. February 15th, Valentine's weekend, I love you. Church and pastor loves you. I mean that. From the depth of my heart. Now I'm going to tell you how I love you. Based on scripture. We're missing what real love is all about. We're letting Hollywood tell us what love is. We're letting books. And let me tell you something. Abusive. <coughs> I'm trying to find decent words to use here. But glamorized. Abusive. Worldly. Vile. Affection is not love. Amen. God have mercy on your soul. If you spend money, you'll watch it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You stay away from it. Stay away from books. Stay away from movies. That's not the picture of what you want your married life to look like. I'm going to tell you what love is supposed to look like. What, what, what do we call 1 Corinthians 13? The love chapter. I love like Pam said. The love chapter. Not the love of it. All right, listen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not love. It profits me nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like to me there is no middle ground. It's either love or it's not. It's not just affections. It's not feeling. He describes and he goes on and expands throughout this chapter. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you. But I want to begin by looking at love, life's missing piece. By first looking at what love isn't. What the problems of love that surfaces in our life and in Christian's life expressly. First of all, what we get are arrogant attitudes. Sometimes once we've been born again, we've been saved for a while, we develop this, this attitude that the world lives in today. It's an age of entitlement where everybody owes us something and that we're special. God owes us something and we're a little bit above someone else because of God's love. Love never puffs itself up. I want you to notice, he said in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, I have not love. I'm as a sounding brass. We notice what he's trying to tell us. If you read it in the context of 1 Corinthians, that Paul is dealing with some extra biblical activity within the church. The sign gifts 
had been placed upon the apostles at the beginning of the church age, and we know as we look all the way back to Acts chapter 2, that the apostles, who were unlearned men, what did Peter and Andrew do for a living? They were fishermen. They were not real bright. They were not well-educated. But God used men like that who couldn't even probably speak Greek real well to stand on the Mount of Olives there at Pentecost and preach Jesus to the world's population there at Jerusalem. Now remember, any of you ever been through New York or been to New York? It's a melting pot, isn't it? There is absolutely no telling what you're going to see in here. You don't even have to get outside the airport. Just fly in and out of JFK. And it is literally like leaving and going to a third world country. You will hear and see everything. Well, that was Jerusalem in the day. And they were people from Asia Minor. They were people there uh, from Asia. They were people from all over the globe, from Africa, North and South Africa, no doubt around. This was a great trade route. This was the hub. And there were people standing around, and God declared the glory and the love of Jesus Christ through simple men by allowing them through the power of the Holy Spirit to preach in their known tongue. Though the apostles didn't know the language, they were able to preach in it. You see, it was not just glossolalia. It was not just a random Greek term of just spewing out different things. They were preaching, thus saith the Lord, in a language that these people understood because it was their language. What makes it miraculous and supernatural is the speaker didn't know the language apart from the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. But as the church began to grow in Corinth, they wanted it. And it became all about, look what I can do. And look what I can say. And it became an arrogant attitude. You see, what happens is we develop this idea that we have this special or secretive connection to God. But you see, a special connection without love is just pompous noise. He says, just blowing your trumpet. What does the Bible say about a man who would give his tithes or a man who prays out loud? He said, don't go out there and blow it because you're nothing but a fraud. It's not about what the world sees from us. It's what they see through us. It's not what they hear us say, but it is who says it. We must be careful not to allow ourselves to develop this Christian, and we will do all kinds of things in the name of religion. We will say that we're doing it because of holiness. We'll do it because of doctrine. We'll say we're doing it because we, we just have a zeal for the Lord. Let's remember, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he used the same excuse to kill believers. It's the same thing in its worst degree that ISIS is doing today in the name of Allah. It is nothing but a pompous, arrogant attitude when we try to present ourselves as God's children without the, the trueness of a humble, love that we cannot know apart from Him. Arrogance. Not just in this special connection without love, but a superior connection. That's nothing but paganistic practice. He said, it's just a clanging symbol. It reminds me of hearing the Hare Krishnas and they're playing their symbols and they're Hare 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 Krishna all you that are my age or older, y'all remember the very famous song that hit number one on the pop, pop charts? My Sweet Lord, Cat Stevens. You know who he, he wasn't speaking of Jesus. A lot of people wanted to sing in church. He was singing it to the false god, Hare Krishna. 
It was an Eastern mysticism, my sweet Lord, that he presented it to. We need to understand, he thought he had a superior connection. My dear friend, Kevin Wilbur, that was here a year ago, year and a half ago, and spoke to our leadership and preached in this pulpit. He was at that prayer breakfast last week that you read all about in the news where the president equated Christianity with ISIS. But what was funny is Kevin sent me a message. He said, guess who I'm sitting between? I said, I'll play your silly game too. He said, I have the ambassador from the Sudan on my right and Richard Gere on my left. Now some of you women just went, oh, 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 oh. All he was there was to make sure the Dalai Lama was okay. He is a great worshiper. That Tibetan monk gone rogue, even in that false religion. You see, they think they've got a superior handle on what's going on in this world. I want you to understand something with me about our arrogant attitude toward love. I wrote this this morning. I was thinking about it driving in. And I just pinned these words down. It's not profound, but I think it's on target. It is not the gifts or the person I give them to that determines real love. It is the love of God in me through Jesus Christ that displays authentic love. And I love my wife. And I'll add the PS to the story yesterday. I looked over at her. I said, what was I going to buy you? You get anything you want. You hold her to it. You go ask her after church. Is that not the truth? But I'm not doing I'm not saying that begrudgingly. Every day ought to be Valentine's Day in marriage. I know there's good days and bad days. I'm not saying that, you know, we're happy all the time, aren't you? <laughs> our very famous thing is once you come into our house, whether you're a friend of our children or whatever, it's pastoral privilege. It's like the inner sanctum of the CIA state, right? It's past, it's past Las Vegas. Though. What goes on in past home stays here. Listen, sometimes in our paganistic practices, I think we can buy love. I'm going to tell you something. Mamas and daddies, listen to me. Your kids are going to try to convince you you can buy their love. You can't buy their love. And I want to be real careful right here, but I want to explain to you something. Number one, I'm not judging anybody that's been divorced. There. But if you have, be real careful. Because what happens is competition. Understand, divorce happens. God, you're not any less in the kingdom of God than you were before. But if at all possible, avoid it. But if it's happened and you have children... Do not let them pit you into believing that somehow you can buy their love and be more important. Because they're going to try. If you raise halfway smart kids, they're going to try. Because even kids that still have mom and dad in the same home are going to try. I mean, there's nobody in this room that hadn't went sometime to, to mama and then to daddy and play both ends against the middle and said, well, mama said it's okay if it's okay with you. That was my line. I thought I was original, but I wasn't. Listen, it's not the gifts or even the person we give it to that declares our love. It is the spirit within us that declares what real love is. Look, he said in verse 2, love that is not true in the sense of Jesus Christ is nothing but empty gifts. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. It's just empty gifts. 
There's some very gifted people on this earth, isn't there? Believe it or not, I love to listen to classical music, especially if I'm studying. One of my favorite things I used to love to do, go my wife crazy, when we didn't have four channels, two, five, and eleven, and public television. Y'all remember them days? Pretty good days if you think back to it. But every once in a while, the three tenors would come on. And I used to love to listen to Pavarotti and Pasadena Domingo and Jose Perez and listen to them sing. Just because of the raw talent that they had. It was unbelievable. The notes that they could hit, the range, and the beauty that they sang with. Those great musicians. I mean, I, I can think of so, so many, so many genres from Yo-Yo Ma in classical music to Jerry Lee Lewis playing the piano to a Joe Satriani so many others, Joe Bonamassa with a guitar. I mean, it's unbelievable the talent, the giftedness that people have. But what he's telling us here is that no matter what the gift is, if it is not bathed and projected in the love of Jesus Christ, it's empty. Yes. That's why we have to go to another concert because the last one don't fulfill. That's why we listen to more songs. That's why you listen to, you know, that one song gets stuck in your head and it's number one for 13 weeks in a row. And then all of a sudden you're like, I cannot hear that song again. I'm tired of hearing that song. Well, one of my favorite groups in the world. That great spiritual group, Leonard Skinner. I still love listening to that. But I will not listen to Freebird. Come on, please. That's enough. Retire it. It's empty. Don't be all spiritual like you ain't never listened to anything like that. I didn't say that was the Osborne. Prophecy without love is a demand for power. He said, though I prophesy, though I have all this power and knowledge. Have you ever noticed that the most prolific speakers a lot of times that are the strongest fighting sin are the ones who fall? Legalistic. Because it's not coming bathed in love. When you start pointing out everybody else's Wrongdoings, make no mistake, your sin will find you out. We must not demand the power. It is not our power to have. It's not our power to give. The only thing we know is we are worthless apart from Jesus Christ. Prophecy without love is a demand for power, but knowledge without love. Man, there's a lot of smart people in this world. One of the funniest things that's ever happened to me. Dr. John Phillips, that wrote the Exploring Series of the Bible. Many of you have some of those books. Uh, Dr. John Phillips was brilliant, raised in uh, Wales, served in Her Majesty's Army for Great Britain. In Palestine at the end of World War II, God saved him, used him in a mighty way, was over the entire Moody Bible Institute, uh, extension of learning for many, many years, and wrote untold pages of commentary throughout the scripture. I had him at uh, our last church, and I didn't know at the time when I scheduled him, but dementia had begin, begun to set in. This was his last Bible conference he ever did. And as I was driving him back to the airport, throughout the week I would say, Dr. Phillips, have you read this book? And I, whatever the big books of the day were. He said, have you ever read Church Evangelism by John Mark Terry? No, no, son, I, I've not read that. Well, how about have you read... Uh, 
The church of irresistible influence by Lewis. No, no, son, I, I've not read that book. And I went on and I went on and I went on and I gave him all these great big books and ones that I was trying to connect with him that I would get him to tell me how he appreciated the book or what he thought about the book. And finally, as we were on our way to the airport that, that Thursday morning, I looked over and asked him for the last time, Dr. Phillips, have you ever read this book? And finally having enough of me, and perturbed in my asking and endless questions, he just kind of leaned over in his horn-rimmed black glasses. And he looked over at me and he said, my dear boy, I do not read books. I write them. <laughs> oh. He said, if you want to know something, said, I know you're driving, but you're much younger than I. Write this mental note. I'll give you three things they did not teach you in seminary. He began to expand on what God had taught him through his life. You see, there's a lot of really smart people, but they do it without love. He understood love. He understood where God brought him. One of the greatest examples that he ever gave was how God loved him and God was able to love his son through him, a son who had become a prodigal and it broke his heart and he would plead for churches to pray for his boy and yet God gave him the strength to love him. Knowledge without love. You see, we need prestige. Look at me. Look at all I can say and all I can do. It's amazing. How many scholars we have today? If you don't believe it, read Facebook. They're brilliant. And it's amazing to me the people who feel the need to have a blog to explain to the world how smart they are. And all we're saying is everybody needs to know my personal opinion on the matter. Can I break your heart for just a minute? God don't care what you think. He really does. And we talk about this in the office a lot of times. People don't care what you know till they know you care. There is no amount of special programs that we can host and head up at Eastside Baptist Church that can replace us loving our name. Do we love Claxton Church? Do we love Evans and Patton County and Bryan County? I mean, are we just limited to the footprint of Evans? I mean, are there any lost people right across? It's not that far to Bryan County. It's not that far to Patton County. My nieces come in last night, Mr. Turner, they drove all the way to Patton County. <laughs> these lost people over there? There's people that need to hear of God's love. I mean, yeah, there's churches over there. But why are you coming here? You believe this is where God would have you to be? Then you've got to believe God wants to use you to share His love here. That's right. Not with a need of prestige. Faith without love. Faith, though I could remove mountains. Man, though I could cast out devils, slap people on the head and heal them. Though I don't love, I am nothing. There's going to be a lot of people standing before God just like that. Empty hands. They're going to have a pile of stuff that's remembered about them in this world. On the back of the high school annual where they graduate, it's going to list all and when it comes time for them to pass away, it's going to list all the things they did in their obituaries, but they'll stand before God empty because it was not done in love. A desire to pride. And then look at verse 3. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I have not loved it properly. I mean nothing. 
These are just emotional offerings. Giving of things without love is profitless piety. You know what that means? Y'all know what that means? Y'all know what that means? I understand. I wouldn't. When I was 18 years old, I wouldn't have had a clue what profitless piety means. It means a resemblance of being spiritual, but it's empty, and there's nothing to it. I can remember going to, uh, not Universal, but the Disney part. Not Epcot, but the Hollywood thing, whatever it is. And you know, when you walk through part of that, you can walk down the streets and it, it looks like you're in downtown New York. And it's all built on a miniature scale. And if you stand and look down that street, it looks like you're standing in New York City. But it's all fake. It's just a facade. There's nothing behind it. It's just an illusion. Well, I'm telling you today that faith without love is an illusion of being spiritual. What did James tell us about faith? Faith without what? Is what? Faith without works is dead. That's what he's telling us here. Because when you look up the word love in the Bible or anywhere else, it's not a noun, is it? It can be, but it's used in the negative sense. What is love? It's an action verb. It shows itself. And so love of faith without love, without being in action for the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what he called you to do, telling people what he said, tell them, you are empty, worthless, and dead. Sometimes some of the hardest things for me is so many very worthwhile causes come across my desk. They really do. Just for instance, we have the International Mission Board, 5,000 missionaries. North American Mission Board, 5,000 missionaries. We could never, we, if everything we brought in, we gave to just one of those, would never be enough. Okay? And then we have Georgia Baptist Children's Home. Well, Georgia Baptist Foundation takes care of wid widows whose husbands were pastors, but they're bivocational, whatever, and they had no retirement. And so there are there is an entity of the Georgia Baptist Convention that takes care of those indigent ministers. You know that we have a church minister's relations office in the Georgia Baptist Convention that when a pastor gets fired for the wrong reason or whatever and churches fall apart and the pastor's left without anything, they'll come alongside and help them for a while. And that's through our tithes and offerings that we send to the cooperative program. We have six seminaries that we help young men and women get a true biblical education in college and graduate school. That's just through Southern Baptist Convention. And then you have, in my personal life, Good Samaritan Baptist missionaries that serve in Honduras and Nicaragua, Mexico, places like that. Pennies for Posha serves in Uganda. There are people who serve in Lithuania. You know, I spoke of my heart for Ukraine. My friend Shannon Ford and Tim Akers, who are there now, that are serving on the field in Ukraine, sharing the gospel with Roma gypsies as well as those that live in Ukraine and in Hungary. There's so many wonderful, but we can't do it all. We can do something. And what we do must always be done, not because our heartstrings are pulled, but because God said, love them. That's why we call it a love gift or a love offering. Not because somebody else guilts us into it, 
but giving not for prideful purposes, but in true love. Well, what is real love? Told you what it wasn't. Actually, I didn't. Paul told you what it wasn't. It's not arrogant attitudes. It's not empty gifts. It's not emotional offerings. What is it? Look in verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know what real love is? Real love loves. Is that simple? Real love loves. See, it is the perfect example of Christ and His sinless sacrifice for our sins. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It all begins with His love. It doesn't matter what you've done. God already knew that. He still loves you. But you've got to allow Him to love you. Allow Him to love you. It's like our kids. When they're little, they want to get up and you're like, they want you to come lay down with them at night. They want you to hold them. They want you to hug them. Stuff. And then they start getting to a certain age, you're like, come on. But then if the Lord allows them to get a little bit older, they'll want to again. I'm afraid we're too often caught in that middle part too. When we were first born again, we wanted all of God we could get. We wanted to just sit down in his lap. We didn't feel like we had to perform. We didn't because we understood he saw us for who we really are. Look, you can go glad hand. You can go to all the civic organizations. You, you can smile at everybody in the lunch counter. But I'm telling you, God knows who you are. He knows you're whining, complaining, backstabbing, envious attitudes that you have in your heart. And he still loves you. So lay it back at the foot of the cross. Climb back up in his lap. Wrap your arms around his neck. And let him love you. Amen. Real love. Love. And this is how. He said love bears all things. Verse 7. What does that mean? It means it sustains us. It bears all things. Love will sustain us. Have you ever said, I just don't think I can bear this. I don't think I can bear this. Lord, I'm under. I don't think I can bear this emotional trauma. I don't think I can bear this truth, this secret that's, that is in me. I don't think I can bear the thought of what's went on in my life. Listen, real love, God's love can bear all things. Because it's been to the cross. Hear me? I'm not telling you you've got to be sick, man. I'm telling you exactly the opposite. You can be vulnerable, empty, and useless because that point, God can love. Love bears all things. It sustains us. But then it believes all things. This is surrender. Can you explain to me how God died on the cross? Because isn't God eternal? There's the idea and the doctrine that has been put forth called the kenosis where Jesus emptied himself of his godly vestures therefore ceasing to be God and just man he died on the cross while others presume that being God there's no possible way he could be Lord to a manhood status, therefore he was just an apparition of man. Can you explain to me how God died on the cross? I can't explain it to you. 
But I can tell you, it happened. For God, the Son of God, gave His life to set us free. Can you explain to me how we know that evolution is false? Can we do it through the cosmological argument or the axiological argument? Can we go from the second law of thermodynamics or based on intelligent design, knowing that if there's flagellum motors inside our bodies and one cell organisms are developed uh, and, and they take care of themselves and they're intricately designed in being this one cell bacteria and that we have 33 amino acids and without one we will die immediately. Can you tell me how the world can be cocked at just the right angle so that it doesn't spit out into eternity and blow all the other planets? I can't explain it all but I know it's true. And I know that God created it. That's how I know it's right. Can't explain it all. I can't tell you how a black cow can eat green grass and get white milk, but it happens. <laughs> you get what I'm talking about? Love surrenders. It says, you know, God, I don't know what you do. I don't know how I'm going to face this tragedy that you do. I know that your, body, your word tells me in 1 Peter that I can cast all my cares on you because you care for me. I know that I can love you because you first love me. See, real love surrenders. That's the opposite of what we're told, isn't it? The world tells us we're really going to be love people. we got to be tough and strong and we just shouldn't be. No, so be, be vulnerable before God. Real love strengthens. He said hopes all things. This is that hope I preached about not a few weeks ago. Real hope, not the shallow hope of the world where you ask somebody, are you going to heaven? Well, I hope so. No, hope described in the Bible means an earnest expectation. A blessed hope. And so he said, real love hopes in all things. It strengthens us to know no matter what happens, we have hope in Jesus Christ. No matter what happens in Syria, we have the hope of Jesus Christ. No matter who gets elected, we have the hope of Jesus Christ. No matter what happens on our job or at school tomorrow, or anybody that does go to school, nobody's going to school tomorrow. When you go back to school, what happens at the ball? Because we have hope in Jesus Christ. The Seahawks will play again next year. <coughs> Though they lost the big game. The Braves will be playing before long. I think pitchers and catchers are fourth to twenty. They'll have hope, I don't know how. They got rid of everybody but the one they should have. Do what Matt said. Yeah. Hey, if there's ever been a time that you can be strengthened in the Lord and grow in your faith, believe that BJ Upton will get us to the world series. <laughs> Listen. They'll play again. No matter what happens, if the Lord has not come back, they'll probably play in the year after. Because it never satisfies. But real hope, real hope understands that all that is inconsequential to what matters when we close our eyes on this side and open them on that. Let me finish. It satisfies. He said it endures all things. Are you satisfied in Christ? Is he enough? Or is it Jesus plus? Do you need Jesus and something? Now look, we all need a vacation in this one. We all, we all need a big old piece of cake or something. You know, I love to watch a diabetic get around sugar. 
Because <laughs> the first words out of their mouth is, well, I don't need this, or I shouldn't eat this, but I love to listen to the conjunctions of a diabetic. Every once in a while, we just need a big old piece of cake. Every once in a while, we just need to eat some ice cream. Sometimes we just need to stay at home. Put your feet up. Sometimes we just need to be satisfied that he's enough. He's enough. It's not and and more and this and that and everything. Look, they, they have a sale for everything. They've got a free president's white linen sale. They've got Arbor Day sales. They've got a pre-sale of the sale day. We don't have this Black Friday anymore. we got Gray Thursday. And before long, it will be Tail Wednesday. Because they've got to try to sell something. We're never satisfied. We keep going back. We want more. We want more. Jesus is enough. He satisfies. Verse 8. He said, charity or love never fails. It secures us. Can I tell you something? What did I start this message on today? What did I tell y'all? What love is. Yeah, but what did I start even before that? How much I love you. I'm glad somebody remembered that. Because I love you. But can I tell you something? I believe you love me most of you. But I don't, I don't want this to sound arrogant, but I want all seriousness. My identity is not based on whether you love me or not. That's hard for me to accept sometimes. Because I like to be loved. I like people like me. I don't want people to be upset with me. But if I'm going to stand for what's right and I claim the name of Jesus Christ, he said, they didn't like me, they won't like you. And it's amazing to me because it's the things I never think people get mad at me about, they get mad at me. You know? Well, I just can't believe the preacher bothered him soon. That's just arrogant. I'm like, get a dream. You know? The glass house, Michael, we talked about. People get upset, but I, I'm telling you, sometimes I do. Well, not sometimes. Let me let me back up. Right a lot of the times I mess up. A lot of times. Listen to me, young people. Your value, your identity, who you are, is not defined by what people tell you who you are. That's right. Amen. What matters is God loves you. That's right. That's what matters. Boss will try to guilt you into doing something, come to some party. You have, don't have any business being in. Somebody will try to guilt you into doing something to try to fit in, be part of it. Don't go away after high school. Happens in college, probably worse than high school. Happens on the job, happens in organizations, it happens in clubs, it happens in all kinds of things. Be if you really want them out, I'm here to tell you. If all the world falls down, y'all call a special meeting and fire me tonight. Dear Lord, I pray it don't happen. I got bills. <laughs> God will still love me. You can hate me. You can despise me. You run your name down. Run my name down. Because all you're doing is running yours down if you do. Because people really don't like to listen to you complain. You may think they do. And if, if you're telling people complaining about others all the time, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. As soon as they get away from you, they're talking about what a whining complainer you are. Amen? Amen. We don't listen to that stuff. So stop doing it. Because some of us say, hey, man, I don't want to listen to that big whining I'm a whiner. I do. God forgive me. I pray God take the envy and the strife and the, the, the anger and the hurt. Take it all away because listen, your love never fails. No matter what happens. Let me finish. 
Verse 13. Now abides faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. You see, love settles the matter. Love puts the card in the deck that finishes the game. Love is the linchpin. It is the master link that hooks it all together, that makes it able to run. Real love, the love that only God can provide, is the greatest of them all. He said in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, the love, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. This is how we know this. He that loves not knows not God. For what? God is love. The only gift that explains true love is the one given at the cross. The Bible says no greater love. No greater love. Sometimes we're too big for our bridges. We're clanging our cymbals and banging on the drums and shouting everybody, look at me, hear me, experience my greatness. Understand, I've got a handle on things. Look at my spirituality. Know that I'm in touch with God. We've outgrown. We've outgrown who God wants us to be. Why don't we sing some songs in church we think we're other kids Probably the greatest hymn we've ever sung. It's still equated with just a kid's song, but as adults, we feel silly if we sing. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Father, may we first experience it. May we accept it. And may we allow you to overwhelm us in it. So that when the world sees us, they don't see us. They see Jesus in us. And there's no greater picture of love and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. As they come to the instrument right now, I want you to hold off or anything else, but maybe you just need to come kneel down at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I need, I need a refresher course in this world. I need to go back to the day that you saved me be reminded you still love me. For somebody here today has never truly experienced the power of His love, you need to come and say, here I am, Lord. I believe you love me. May I accept your free love, the sacrifice of your Son, to be born again. I confess my sins. I am unlovable. But I believe you still love me. You come right now. Bask in His love. Don't leave here Unloving and unloved. Come right now. Stand with me. Come
small groups tonight at uh, six o'clock. We are not having choir practice. Not having choir practice. So you've got plenty of time to get whatever you need to get done. Be back for small groups. The men's group has been phenomenal, and uh, women's has too. Got a pretty good teacher, didn't my wife?